Welcome back to another episode of MicroConf On Air. This week, I am introducing Mr. Ben Orenstein. We're going to hear his MicroConf talk from 2019, MicroConf Starter Edition, Idea to Validation to Launch the First 365 Days of Tuple. Before we get into that, I'd love to invite you to microconfremote.com, which is a virtual event we are putting on next week. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And even if you can't make it, if you head to microconfremote.com and you reserve your spot, you'll obviously get a recording of the full event uh, if you aren't able to make the live stream, but it's going to be a lot of fun. That's September 1st, so mark your calendar for that and head to microconfremote.com. So Ben Orenstein's talk was one of the highest rated in 2019, Idea to Validation to Launch the First 365 Days of Tuple. And Ben wrote the description of the talk. After a year of full-time work, Ben has some new scars, some fresh knowledge, and a deep appreciation for the highs and lows of starting a business. Feel free to click through in the show notes if you want to see the full YouTube video to see Ben's visuals. And I hope you enjoy the talk. I'm ready to do this. So this story is about the last year of my life. Quit my job, started a company. It's all about the details. So let's go back to a year ago. I was working a job. And it was actually a pretty great job. It was uh, cushy, it was fun, it was challenging, I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was working on someone else's business. And there was an opportunity to do like a little bit of equity, but it just never got to the point where it was super exciting for me. And I'd always sort of felt like my eventual destiny was to run a software company. And so I knew I had to leave. At that time, there were only uh, two problems. Uh, I didn't have the idea, and I didn't have a co-founder. But then suddenly, just about a year ago, two things fell into place. The first was the co-founder. So there's a person that I had been singing with, actually, in a chorus. So I sing in a barbershop quartet. I sing classical music in a chorus. And I met this guy. His name is Joel. And we sang together for a few years. Joel previously started a company and sold it to this uh, giant healthcare company. And it was more or less an aqua-hire. And he had completed his earnout, And he was getting, getting the itch. He didn't like being at this big company anymore. So I started going over to Joel's house on the weekends, and I would pitch him business ideas. And that's when the idea started to happen for us. So I have this document, this little note on my phone. I know you can't read this, it's not the point, but you can maybe uh, pause this video some other time later, steal all my business ideas if you want. <laughs> and I would work my way down this list and pick them off and be like, all right, Joel, what do you think about this? And we'd kind of hash it out. And none of these really uh, made the cut uh, until this one, which says Screen Hero Replacement. So Screen Hero was a tool uh, developed by a Y Combinator company for doing remote screen sharing. So if you and I wanted to collaborate on something, you could kind of join me on my computer. We could both control it. We could see what was happening. We could talk live. And Screen Hero did this better than anybody. Uh, and they uh, got huge, and people loved them. And then Slack bought them and shut them down. Ostensibly, Screen Hero's features were rolled into Slack calls. Uh, I dispute that. Uh, so there was this sort of great uh, answer to a need in the market that then disappeared. And so I kept asking my friends, like, hey, what do you use now? The screen hero is gone. And they kept saying, nothing. And I was like, well, it feels kind of dumb of me to not at least try this. So this is the calendar event when Joel and I had kind of like, are we going to do this meeting? You can tell, this is a Thursday morning at 10 AM. You can tell how worried I am about missing this, because <laughs> there are five reminders. I'm not amazing at waking up early. 10 a.m. is not super early for me, but you know, it's borderline. So Joel and I sit down, and we, we actually get into some pretty heavy stuff. Like I remember asking him, like, hey, like, you, I've heard you talk maybe about having kids. Do you think that's going to be a thing that would happen soon? Because I mean, that that's personal, but it would impact uh, us start, starting a company together. And 
we had a, a really deep conversation, and we were aligned philosophically. And so I walked out of that meeting thinking, this is probably happening. I would say afterwards, we, I felt like it was probably 80%. I said, I think, I think we're going to do this. And I was looking around for some way to get myself all the way there, because it was still kind of scary. And what I did was I reached out to one of the Screen Hero co-founders on Twitter. So I DM'd him. And you probably can't read this, but I'm going to tell you that the, the most relevant part is, is there any chance I could buy an hour of your time at whatever rate you think is reasonable to go through the questions I have for you? And this is a trick I stole from Jason Cohen. This, by the way, is a really wonderful tactic. If you want to have a meeting with someone, don't ask if you can pick their brain. Ask if you can buy an hour of their time, because that's like triples the likelihood that they say yes. And by the way, no one ever asks you to pay for their time, just about. So we scheduled this. Uh, his name is Faraz. He said yes. This time I only have three reminders, because it's in the afternoon. And this is the screenshot I took while we were on the call. So on the left side are a bunch of questions we had for him. On the right side is us on the video call. And the gist of this conversation was, Faraz thinks this is still an opportunity. He gave us some sort of information about like, what had happened uh, on the acquisition, what the market looked like, but the, his position was like, this is still needed. You should totally do it. And then we're like, all right, this is definitely happening. Once, once, that, once we got that, it was like, okay, we're, we're doing it. So Joel and I both pick our last day. We give our notice at our jobs. This thing is going to happen. And then suddenly, there's a plot twist. Someone that Joel had hired at his previous company, at his previous startup, uh, reaches out to him and says, hey, dude, I just quit my job because my boss was an asshole. I have a whole bunch of money saved. I have a bunch of runway. I'm trying to figure out what to do. What are you up to? And Joel's like, that's funny. Funny you should say that. So this is uh, April 22nd, last year. We have a chat about Spencer. And Joel basically says, look, Spencer was one of the best people we hired. He's kind of a machine. Uh, he, he works really hard. Uh, he, he would be a great engine to sort of add to the company. And he's available and interested, and we should, we should do it. And so Joel convinced me. I knew Spencer a little bit, but not that well, to be honest. Uh, this is Spencer. So we had this chat, and, and he sells me on him. And I say yes. And so player three enters the match. Now, to be totally honest, after this conversation, I have a little bit of a freak out because I, feel, I realize I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm doing that thing that they say never to do, which is like start a company with someone you don't, you don't know super well. And I, I had a lot of stress about it. And I had one night where I was like so stressed out that I, I like went for a run to try to calm down, and I would like get exhausted, and then get stressed, and then run, and then get exhausted, and then get stressed. And like I, I basically couldn't, I couldn't, like work, couldn't physically work the stress out of my body, because I was like, I don't, I don't know this person, like what might happen? Uh, but eventually, I, so I talked to Joel about it again, and, and I, <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to admit, the thing that, that got me over this initially was I talked to my mom, and I was like, I feel like an idiot, like I, I said yes to this person, I don't really know him that well. Um, what, if it's, what if we have all this conflict and it's terrible and, and I did this stupid thing and we stumbled right out of the gate? And she goes, well, Joel says you should partner with him, right? And I was like, yeah. She goes, well, so it would, like, it would kind of be Joel's fault, wouldn't it? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, let's do it. And it's like just stupid brain things. It's like, oh, as long as I can kind of blame Joel if this all blows up, I'm fine with it. The good news is, spoiler alert, uh, none of that ever came to pass. All that stress was for nothing. Uh, Spencer's amazing. Super glad he's with us. Our chances of success, I think, are vastly higher because he joined us. So this whole, that whole little thing uh, was just kind of a, a waste of brain. Okay, so Tuple meeting, Saturday, April 28th. Now we have a name. So Tuple was a name that a coworker suggested. For those of you that don't know, um, 
in programming, a tuple is a data structure that takes things that are disparate and puts them together, kind of like what our tool does. It also kind of sounds like two people. Uh, so here we are. So we had a name, and um, we're just about, we're a little, not quite a year ago now. Uh, we have this meeting, and on this meeting, this is two hours on Saturday. I only set one reminder, no big deal, weekend. Um, we figure out all the details, like how are we going to split the equity? Decided, let's just do it equally. We're all bringing different things to the table. Those things maybe have different values, but look, we're going on a long journey. Let's be equal partners. Uh, the other things we decided were titles. Uh, I uh, am CEO, Joel is our COO, and Spencer is our CTO. The really nice thing is we all, I think, have personalities that fit those roles, and the one we wanted was the one that no one else wanted. So I was like, do any of you want to be CEO? I was like, no. And I was like, great. I got it. Um, so uh, a few days later, we signed our LLC docs. So this is us actually forming the company, splitting up that equity, uh, and also uh, opening a bottle of Dom Perignon that we have for this purpose. We're signing this on a cutting board for some reason. I don't quite remember why. Uh, this is actually on Joel's porch on his condo. And then we get to work. So at first, getting to work uh, happened in uh, Tuple headquarters, which is actually Joel's condo. Uh, this is his kitchen. Uh, after a couple of weeks of this, Joel's wife was like, would you mind not working in the kitchen? And so we're like, you're right, we should get some office space. We'll go into the bedroom. <laughs> so our office, this is actually still where we work, um, in Joel's second bedroom. Uh, his wife is awesome, and he's awesome, and so they've, like, they let us use the space. Uh, you can see we have these nice ergonomic standing desks, although Spencer still sometimes prefers this position, which is an interesting way to review some code. So uh, Spencer and Joel start hacking away on this thing. And here is the first prototype of Tuple. And again, this is a screen sharing app. So uh, in the beginning, we were just testing, like, how do you send data around? So this is in a browser. And this is a webcam that just goes like, sort of in, within the same computer. So this is like the earliest days. The first time I was like, oh my gosh, we have a thing that sort of kind of works. This is a later prototype. So now you can, you can notice the background is different. So Spencer and Joel are in different places. And they've actually connected two browsers on two different computers to each other. After a little while, we realized, OK, there's no way this app can run in the browser. It has to be crazy fast. Uh, it has to use not that much RAM and not that much CPU. So we need to build a desktop app. So that's what this is, early pro prototype of that. Um, you can see our Swift code in the background there. That's some proprietary information. Feel free to steal that if you want to make a competitor. Uh, this is the <laughs> first UI of the desktop app. I know, it's great. Looks good. Uh, this is the second version of the UI clean it up a little bit. This is the third version where we're actually like, let's add a little bit of visual polish to this thing. It's kind of getting there. And this is where we actually hired a, des a designer to make it look nicer. This is Steve Shoger, by the way. This is someone I met at MicroConf. And Steve, Steve hooked us up. He didn't charge us as much as he could have because he was excited about kind of coming in on the journey. And he was a friend of mine, and he wanted to help us out. And this, uh, by the way, has been a recurring theme of starting a company. People from MicroConf have been helping us out, like a lot, with like, major things like introductions and helpful advice and design work. So MicroConf has definitely increased our odds of success as well, I would say. So while Spencer and Joel are writing code, uh, I was doing pre-sales. So uh, I would reach out to people and be like, hey, we're doing this thing. We think it's going to be really cool. Guess where our first 10 customers came from? MicroConf. MicroConf, exactly. So last year, I was here saying, I'm starting this thing. And if you go to MicroConf and say, I'm starting this thing, everyone's like, tell me about the thing. It's like, it's like going to the addicts and being like, guess what kind of drugs I've got? <laughs> like, ooh, tell us all about the drugs. 
So I would go and say, look, we're starting this thing. Do you remember Screen Hero? We're going to make a thing like Screen Hero, and I think it's going to be good. And they're like, oh my god, tell me when you make this, because there's a lot of developers here, too. Uh, so first 10 customers were all microconference. Reached out to them after the conference and said, like, hey, remember that thing we chatted about? Uh, we're going to do it. I'm looking to start doing some pre-sales. And so would you be willing to pay x dollars, more on that in a second, uh, to join? That'll get you access during the alpha plus a year afterwards. And people started saying yes. The, th the thing that kind of cracks me up is like I was selling annual plans for a piece of software that didn't even exist yet. Sometimes people would be like, can I try it first? I'd be like, nope, we don't have it yet. You just have to pay us money. And they'd be like, all right, cool. Took that as an early vote of confidence. This is our early validation, right? We're like, do people actually want this? And it's like, yes, people are willing to pay money for, for it and it doesn't exist. That at least seems like we're probably not wasting our time if we can produce the thing, the dream that I'm selling during pre-sales. Quick note on pricing. Uh, the first person that purchased uh, Tuple was Adam Wathen, and he paid $149 for uh, Alpha Access plus a year afterwards. Uh, the next people that I brought into Tuple paid $199, uh, $249, $299, $399, and I just kept increasing the price and waiting for someone to say no. And at one point, Joel goes, that's not how you find a price if you're, looking for, if you're searching. You do a binary search. Like, that's how you efficiently search a range of things. And I'm like, you're right. I'm going to say a price that no one will say yes to. All right, the next person, I'm like, it's $5.99. And they said, yes. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And like, by the way, sending some of these emails like, made me a little bit sick. Like, every time I had to be like, $5.99. And I would just like, kind of stare at it and be like, oh my god. Okay, enter, and I would just like, just like force myself to send it. Like it's, it's hard. There's something really deeply psychologically challenging about pricing, which is too bad because it's the best lever. It has so, it's just so powerful for improving your business, but it's hard, um, and rejection is terrible, or feels terrible, not actually is terrible. Anyway, the most I ever charged for Tuple was $7.99 per person for a year before it existed. Someone bought six seats of that, paid us $4,800. Kind of awesome. If I just stuck with that 149 that felt good and felt like my reasonable first guess, I think we'd be in a pretty different place now. And when we switched to monthly, I also tested a bunch of price ranges. Like, can we do quarterly? Can we force people to do annually? Uh, can we set a minimum, like, you know, up some number up to 10 seats per seat, uh, per seat at 100 bucks a month, 59 a month, 29 a month? What works? I'm constantly testing pricing. To this day, there is no public pricing page for Tuple. And I want to keep it that way for a little while longer because being able to test this and not have to stick it with some random number that I just kind of made up has been super, super useful. These days, I'm, I'm kind of honing in. I'm getting closer to something that feels about right because now like, our deals are closing faster. People are not like, super shocked by our pricing. Uh, but this has been like, such a powerful thing for us is being willing to experiment there. And I think the final pricing we end up with will be uh, pretty well dialed. So this tweet went out uh, November of this year. We built for about seven months. So there were three major versions of Tuple. There's like an early prototype we had to throw it away. There was a later desktop app that we also had to throw away. It wasn't fast enough. And then there's the third major version, which is what we ended up shipping. So we announced, like, we need a date to motivate us, because uh, you, know, you can just build forever. So we set the date. I tweet this. Um, people get excited. We get a little stressed. And we go on retreat. This is another thing that we've been doing as a company that has been useful for us, is we book an Airbnb for like three, four days, somewhere far away-ish, like an hour, a couple hours. And we go there, and we just stay, and we work on stuff. It's like a, like a mini company hackathon. And this is so nice, because it gets you out of your normal routine, and it lets us, like, we'll, we'll end up working, you know, maybe 10 hours a day, uh, uh, maybe a little bit longer, but it, like, it brings us together as a company. I rented somewhere with a hot tub. That was pretty nice. Um, so we go, we hole up and uh, a few days before our expected launch date on January 7th, 
and there's a bunch of stuff we want to get in before we ship. So we work pretty hard, uh, and we wake up on January 7th, and there's still some stuff that we didn't make it in. And I'm like, you know, I wonder if anyone would notice if we just started like the 8th or the 9th. Maybe we could get a couple more features in there. And we have an email waiting. I wake up and I have an email waiting for me from somebody. And he goes, hey, it's launch day. I'm excited. How do I get in? And I was like, OK, I guess we're launching. <laughs> so our first call ever was with someone named John Randall. Um, and we start off by calling him. We're like, OK, we're going to walk you through how to install the app. We have like a phone thing going with him. He installs the app. We see him come online. The availability stuff works. Not easy availability stuff. We like, actually shows up in our like, friends list. We're like, OK, like, I'm going to hang up here, and like, then you can call me. And he's like, OK. So we do, and it works. And we start showing him features, and he's like, oh, I like this a lot. He likes the, the various things we're showing him. And it's like, at one point, he goes, are you sure this is an alpha? This seems to just work. And we're like, don't breathe on it too hard. <laughs> like, we happened to just like, walk down this narrow happy path where the app worked really well. But to be honest, the thing that we shipped January 7th had like tons and tons of problems. Um, previous, like just a week before this, I was like, I should do a test before we actually bring customers in here. And I tried it with someone, and it was, it was a disaster. And it like, caused like, a lot of stress in me. So I was like, I don't know if we can hit this date. So to, to be able to like, at least walk this narrow, happy path with John was wonderful. So since then, uh, this, was, this was January. This is like a couple months ago. So we've been live for less than three months. Um, January, we, January was like a lot of basics work. So we technically hit this deadline, and like, we had an app that people could use but we were missing all kinds of things. Like someone would email me and be like, hey, how do I reset my password? And I was like, um, email me the password you want it to be, <laughs> and that will be your password. I'll take care of it, don't worry about it. Go, how do we invite more people? I'd be like, tell me who you want to invite, and I'll go on the Rails console and uh, make some accounts. So January was about like, just establishing, like getting some of those basic things done. February was about stability. So Tuple is a, um, an app written in C++. It's multi-threaded, real-time. It's pretty hard. We're like web developers. So we're coming from this like, much higher level world where things are a little simpler and like, never written any desktop app at all. And now we're writing like, a performance-sensitive app. So it crashed kind of a lot. Uh, so February, February was all about reducing the number of crashes, reducing the number of uh, dropped calls. And that actually brings us up to March. And March has been interesting. Uh, I had this realization. So for seven months, we were building this app, and it's all we thought about. And my world looked like this app. And then we launched, and we started having customers, and we started bringing more of them on. And suddenly I realized, well, like, we need to like, give people good support. And so we probably need some docs. And we should write down all these processes we're doing. And the world that wasn't the app kind of shrunk, and the, the world that was the other stuff got bigger and bigger. And I feel like our, my focus kind of had to pull out, where it's like, yeah, the app, the, thing that we're, the code that we're writing is, is part of this, but there's, there's so much more. Like, we have to pay taxes. How do you pay taxes? Like, do you need an accountant? Like, what's bookkeeping? There's all these other, all this other crap uh, that you have to do with the company. And so, like, my my focus, especially, has kind of lifted like a little bit up uh, as far as a level of abstraction. So, we just hit another milestone. This is, this is March 21st. This was I tweeted this basically before I came to MicroConf. Uh, we moved from alpha to beta, and this is not really being not really false modesty. Like, there's there's still uh, rough edges for sure in the app. But it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of working, and it feels, uh, it feels great. There were a lot of times in those seven months when we were building, and even the, work, the week before we launched, where I was like, I don't know, like, I, we might just not be able to do this. This might be too technically hard. We might die. Not sure. There are two stories I want to tell you from 
um, the last year that I think were kind of interesting and, and worth being aware of if you're thinking about doing something like this. So people talk about the fact that um, starting a company changes your experience in that you have higher highs and lower lows. And I think that's true. And I'll tell you a story that shows this. So I, it's like 4.45 on a Friday a few weeks ago. And somebody emails me and is like, hey, how do I get in the beta? And like, it's the end of the week and I'm feeling like a little cheeky, so I'm like, send me your credit card. And he's like, can I see it first? And I was like, oh, fine. So I said, um, I can do a demo for you in 15 minutes if you promise to bring your credit card and sign up if it's good. And he says, sure. And I was like, god damn it, now I have to do a demo. <laughs> so I get set up and I show him how to install the app and we do a demo. And then like, we're five minutes in and the app crashes. And I'm like, oh, 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 by the way, before the demo, I pushed a new feature out to production. Oh. Yeah. I was like, I, I can do this. I know how to program. This is just this little change. It's going to be great to have this new feature for the demo. So we're five minutes in, the app crashes. I'm like, oh my god, that's so embarrassing. And I even told this guy, like, bring your credit card. Like, well, this is going to be awesome. App crashes. I'm like, okay, that sucks. So I, start, I restart the app, he restarts it. We call him back, and I'm like, ha ha, you know, beta, ha. Um, so we, I restart the demo, and in the middle of talking, it crashes again. And I'm like, I, I'm now like really embarrassed, very upset. <laughs> restart the call. Uh, we talk for five more, and I'm like, are you impressed yet? Ha ha. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so uh, a few more minutes go by, it crashes for a third time. At this point, I'm literally screaming obscenities. Like, I'm, I'm so, I'm just so embarrassed and mad and frustrated. We finally reconnect. I think we even bailed out to like a, a different, like, like a, a peer in. I was like, let's just do like a, something that works uh, to finish off this call. And uh, I'm like, you know, like, this sucks, I'm sorry. It's not like this, I just push something to production. It normally doesn't crash nearly this often. Uh, sorry about that. But anyway, like, it's, it's good talking to you. And he's like, oh, no, no, I, I believe you. Like, I trust you. I can't use it if it crashes this often, but if, if you say this is an outlier, I'll just take your word for it. Um, I'm happy to pay for this. And I was like, what? So he does. He gives me his credit card, and I sign him up right there. And then we end the call, and 20 minutes later, I get an email from him, and he says, hey, you're looking for investors for Tuple? And I was like, oh my god. Like, I've gone from literally screaming obscenities in my house to this person being like, do you want some money? I was like, oh my god. So like, I, I knew, I had heard, and I believed that like, highs and lows would happen more than I was expecting, but I didn't think they would be so close to each other. It's just like I'm all over the place. The other thing, uh, story that I'd, I'd like to share is of dual mouse cursors. So we were selling people on this dream of like, hey, remember Screen Hero, we're going to try to make something like Screen Hero. And they're like, great. And a number of people would say, you know what I liked about Screen Hero was that you, each person had their own mouse. Like I can control, like my, we each have our own mouse, you control it independently. Now this feature is actually insanely hard. The operating system is like, there is one mouse cursor. And we're like, no, there's two. And it's like, no, there is not. So there's no non-super hacky way to have two mouse cursors. So it's just this like constant battle. We spent probably hundreds of hours of development time on dual mouse cursors. And it's just like it was always by far the least reliable, least reliable, buggiest part of the app. And then so we launched with it. And people are like, oh, cool, dual mouse cursors. Nice. I like that. And we're a few weeks in, and we're still having bugs with it. And I'm, I go climbing with my co-founders. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there thinking and like belaying somebody. And I'm like, huh, 
And Spencer comes down from the wall, and I'm like, how hard would it be to do like a mouse handoff where only one person controls it at a time? If we made it really easy to flip, like if I, if I just clicked it, if it just switched who's controlling the mouse, but there was only one, he was like, I could do that this afternoon. And I was like, cool, let's try that. So we do, and everyone's like, this is great. And they like it better than dual mouse cursors. As, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so, so it's this feature, so we eventually disabled dual mouse cursors, because again, there's so many bugs in it, it's so hard. And my advice to you is advice you can't possibly take. So LOL, uh, good luck. Um, <laughs> but it's basically impossible to ship early enough. I have shipped, I've done like a lot of products. I've done like a lot of SaaS apps and, and various things. I've, I've shipped a lot of things and done a lot of development work for myself, for clients. And it is so hard to really know what the minimum thing is. It is basically impossible to do it without doing it a lot of times. And so I would advise you to try to ship before you're ready. Ship a thing that feels incomplete, that, like, like that feature, like, no, we can't launch without this feature. Yeah, you probably can. We could have launched without dual mouse cursors. We could have probably come out a month earlier, maybe like, like dozens, hundreds of hours earlier. And we were convinced, like, no, we're not overbuilding. This is truly a requirement. And it was totally not. So again, that's advice you sort of can't take without uh, doing it. So my advice is to do it a lot, like ship a lot of things and get, try to hone your spidey sense around this. I had this thought also about Christian over here, which is if I start talking about Christian, he has to write down the things I say about him. <laughs> and so I thought about making my talk about a bunch of negative things about Christian, but there's nothing negative to say about him. He's like too nice a person. It's unbelievable. Okay, a uh, quick plug, by the way. If you like this kind of like story of what's going on, I talk about this every week on my podcast. Does anybody listen to the podcast already? Oh, nice. Awesome. Does anybody like the podcast? Just kidding. I'm not going to look. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. Um, yeah, so this is, I talk about this like week to week. So if you enjoy this kind of uh, startup-y story thing, uh, that's, that's, you, might, you might enjoy that. So to wrap up, I just want to talk about a couple helpful ingredients. And to be clear, I'm not standing up here saying we've made it. So like we're at something like 2K MRR, which is like not bad for a few months out, but like we still burn way more than we take in right now. So like we are like default dead currently. So it's a big problem to solve. That's what I'm spending all my time thinking about. That's my goal, get us to ramen profitability. Um, so I can't say like for sure that this is how you should do it because it's not successful yet. It might just die. But um, I think we're on a good trajectory. And so maybe consider these things as useful. So number one is savings. So I don't know if you caught this, but so Joel and I, so we're all working from savings. We haven't raised any money. And when Joel and I were getting ready to start the company, uh, we both said, okay, we have a year, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that of runway. And so we, we can take an honest crack at this thing. And then when Spencer reached out to Joel and said, hey, like, what are you guys up to? A big component of him being able to join us was that he was able to also live off savings. And if he was like, I mean, I can go for like a month, we probably would not have added him as a co-founder. It, like, it would have just changed the option there. We wouldn't have been able to do it. So that's like a big, a big shift in our futures and his future was because we had all like, lived semi-frugally and set aside money. And for years, I was putting aside just cash in an account, and I didn't know what it was for. Turns out it was for this. But it sure was nice to just have this, like, this buffer there, this thing that I could deploy and I, I invest in something that I, I believed had a good chance of being good. The other thing, helpful ingredient, an audience. Omar put up that slide, like no audience, no company. That's 
that's pretty close to true, I think. You don't have to build a big audience to, to have a successful company, but man, has this made my life so much easier. It was not an accident that I'm making a product for an existing audience. So I have, I've been teaching developers for years. So before I got into entrepreneurship, I was a developer, but I was always giving conference talks. I was always producing videos, producing courses, uh, tweeting useful things, and just trying to be useful on the internet. And when, when I started Tuple, I had something like 10,000 Twitter followers. I had a few thousand people on a newsletter. Uh, I had like, just like lots of videos on YouTube of me being competent about programming things. And so, and podcast with a few thousand downloads per episode. And so like almost all of, <laughs> all of our customers just about come from microconf slash people that listen to my podcast slash people that follow me on Twitter. This is just like, it's huge. So, I mean, if you, it's hard to get started on a SaaS app. Maybe you don't know the idea. Maybe you don't know what product you want to get going on. But you can certainly get going on being useful on the internet. Adam Wathen gave a talk last year at Starter on, on this, and I think he does it better than anybody else. So it's worth trying to dig into that. You should have access to that video as an attendee. Uh, but start thinking about building your audience now. I didn't know, again, it was like the money. I didn't know why I was building an audience. It turns out it's for this. And it's, also, it's for this now, but it'll be for something else later. Right? Like if a tuple might just be the first company that I do, and I might have a different one 10 years from now. But if I've continued to grow people that like me and know me and trust me, that'll just make the next thing even easier. Uh, the next thing is relevant skills. So when I was working as a developer, I made sure to work on interesting SaaS apps. Like I was always trying to kind of uh, learn while getting paid. So super useful for me. So by the time I went to launch Tuple, uh, I knew some things. Along those same lines, practice companies. So I launched lots of like little side, I wouldn't, maybe not companies, practice products is probably a better term for it. But I've like, I made my first dollar from a stranger on the internet somewhere in 2009. I recorded a screencast on my computer. It was called Vim for Rails Developers. It was like the nerdiest, nichiest thing. It was like this particular nerdy text editor. Here's how to use this text editor better if you are a Ruby on Rails developer. And I sold it for $9 on Shopify, because that's what you use for you know, selling stuff online. And so I've just, I've, and I've been doing this every few years. I've shipped something and tried to make something and tried to sell something. And I feel like we've avoided so many potholes. And there are so many philosophies that I've already sort of distilled into my head because I've been doing this for a while. Um, one last tip I want to throw out before I wrap up is just, Ask for what you want. This is my, this is my thing right now. So I'm doing sales uh, a lot. And uh, it's crazy how often people will sort of hit you with an opening offer. And you can just ask them for something different, and they'll say yes. I'll give you two, two examples of this, one from sales, one from marketing. So in sales, I was talking to someone. He's the CTO of a company uh, that is doing well, like a lot of money. And he's like, so like, I think we'd love to start um, with maybe two people. And like, do you do a free trial? And I'm like, we don't do a free trial because we want to make sure all our onboarding and support uh, are things that we invest in paying customers. And he's like, okay, that makes sense. And also, Tuple is a collaboration tool. So I think it makes more sense if you maybe just bring the whole team on uh, rather than just two people so you can sort of get a sense of what it's like for the team to use it amongst themselves. So may, and so like, how big is the team? 10 people? Okay. So what if instead of free for two, you paid up front for 10? And he was like, yeah, okay, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And this is, a, this is when I was asking for $50 per person per month. So I went from like nothing to a $500 a month subscription just by being like, how about this instead? And he was like, sure, that sounds good. The other place we do this is on, uh, tw is on Twitter. So if you submit the tuple, like you want to hear when this launched landing page, which is still up, by the way. We're still doing like private uh, invite only right now. Uh, on the next page, it says, hey, thanks so much for signing up. Excited that you're here. By the way, we are honestly a small team. There's just three of us. If you wouldn't mind sharing a link to this page, it would help a lot. Here's a tweet button. Thanks, smiley face. People do this every day. 
Like there, if you go, like if you looked on Twitter and searched our, our domain name, there are hundreds, like literally hundreds of tweets where people have just done this. And it's the same exact like pre-filled tweet text that I put in there. So I know they're just clicking the button and clicking tweet because we asked them to, because they're nice people, because they're willing to help us, because they're sort of following along on the journey. They feel like part of it, and it's great. So I think that's all I have for you. That's some advice. That's what's going on. I hope you found that useful. I really enjoyed talking for, to you. I really enjoyed being the MC this year. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with our fifth and final founder story. These are some of the top rated founder stories ever presented on MicroConf stages. And next week to cap us off, we'll be hearing from Chris Savage, co-founder of Wistia, about how an offer to sell Wistia inspired them to take on $17 million in debt. I look forward to being in your earbuds again next week.